Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. It's the first week of Get Up in the Cool month. I've been saving up some very exciting interviews in hopes that you'll be moved to support the show, which is why this week's friend is ballad singer and banjoist Elizabeth Laprell. We recorded this last month over Skype, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards. Before I tell you about how you can support the show, I want to acknowledge that this episode is posting on November 4th, the day after Election Day. I'm recording this intro on the 3rd. I don't know who's going to win. I'm really stressed about it. I'll be thinking about you all, especially those of you who will be most affected by the election results. I love you all. Take care of each other. On that note, I'm not expecting a huge wave of Patreon supporters the day of or even the week of this episode's release, but for those of you tuning in later, Get Up in the Cool is funded by a small percentage of dedicated listeners. On an average month, the show gets over 30,000 downloads, and I typically have about 100 people at any given time who help fund the show. Podcasts by design need to be free to download or else word of mouth wouldn't travel. But Get Up in the Cool costs money and time and a lot of energy to make. I pay my guests a stipend to be on the show. I have to buy new equipment when it breaks or when I want to improve the audio quality. Website hosting isn't cheap. The expenses really add up. And then there's the time. Since March, I've had to learn how to jam asynchronously by way of overdubbing with folks playing by themselves, which is so much more difficult than playing in person. I love making the show, but I can't make it alone. I need your help. And of course, you'll get some special content for chipping in. If you sign up and search my Patreon for full video episodes, you'll find a bunch of full video episodes there. And there are more to come. Also, there's a weekly secret bonus track podcast with an extra tune or song. At higher levels, you can download the entire Get Up In The Cool Tune archive and join me and a handful of supporters every month for an online banjo workshop. But those rewards are just a token of my gratitude. What you're really getting for donating to Get Up In The Cool is the continued existence of the show. Go now while you're listening to this to patreon.com slash getupinthecool, also linked in the show notes on your podcast app, and choose a support level that you can sustain. And this is important. Small sustaining donations are much more helpful than large short-term donations. So thank you to everyone who signed up, and thank you so much to everyone who's kept Get Up In The Cool going all these years. Stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Elizabeth Laprell. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Oh, hard is the fortune of all womankind. She's always controlled. She's always confined. Controlled by her parents until she's a wife, a slave to her husband the rest of her life. Oh, I'm just a poor girl, my fortune is sad. I've always been courted by the wagoner's lad. He's courted me daily, by night and by day, and now he is loading and going away. Oh, my parents don't like him because he is poor. 
They, they say he's not worthy of entering my door. He works for a living, his money's his own. And if they don't like it, they can leave him alone. Oh, your horses are hungry, go feed them some hay. Then sit down here by me as long as you may. My horses ain't hungry, they won't eat your hay. So fare thee well, darling, I'll be on my way. Oh, your wagon needs greasing, your whips for to mend. Then sit down here by me as long as you can. My wagon is greasy, my whip's in my hand. So fare thee well, darling, no longer to stand. That's the Wagoner's Lad. Ah, that's so great. (laughs) That's so wonderful. Uh, Thank you. And it's so sad. Elizabeth yeah. Laprell, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've been, I've been listening to a lot of uh, the the Invisible comes to us lately, Yay. and which is, I think, a masterpiece. I I'm just gonna fan out fanboy out for just a minute. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you. I love how it, it can be difficult to like curate traditional music in order to say specific things it's 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 difficult in a way that's different from like writing your own material um because you have to take stuff you have to do research and then like find a way to present it and do little edits and things like that and you you two just so incisively and accurately explore Sex, politics, misogyny, the war machine, and how and capitalism, like, (laughs) and how all of that is just like um, this big, gross ball of like, it's just terrible. And you, you so, yeah, the sort of like world building in that album and in in your all's music in general, it's just amazing. I love what you do, and I'm so grateful that you. That you all do it. Um, wow. Uh, thank you very, very much. Um, yeah, it's been now um, a little bit since that record came out. And yes. since yes. Um, since Anna and I, so uh, The Invisible Comes to This is, um, uh, you know, an, an Anna and Elizabeth record. Uh, yes. So it's been a hot minute since Anna and Elizabeth worked on a project together. Um, for, you know, various reasons, such as I moved back to Virginia, had a baby, and uh, now COVID is happening. Um, But uh, I I would like to pause and, and, um, you know, talk a little bit about uh, Anna RG, Anna Roberts-Travolt, the, you know, 
just because you mentioned the record um, and uh, how just glad I am to have been able to work on that um, because she was producer of the record and um, so much of her kind of take on traditional music or her explorations of like, I don't want to even say take because it sounds more finished than uh, really the kind of feeling forward that we were uh, sharing in and that she was doing and I was doing on that. Um, and, and yeah, just kind of trying to explore all the things that you mentioned. So I'm very glad that you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, Anna really came into her own as a composer or started to really explore that world um, with that album and um, world building was something we talked about a lot, a lot about uh, imagery, a lot about like painting with sound or, or creating um, a, an atmosphere or a landscape. Um, so I'm, I'm very glad you liked it. Yeah. And I like that song you just sang for the same reasons. Um, I mean, obviously the production of what just happened is, is different than the very high concept, like Anna and Elizabeth yeah. album. Uh, but, uh, I'm curious when you first got into traditional music, whenever that was, were, were those things you were thinking about? Like the like anthropological and like political implications, or were you in it for like lighter reasons? Like so many people are. It depends, I guess, how far back you want to count how I first got into traditional music. Yeah, let's go all the way back. When okay. was it? Okay, so my uh, like my earliest memories of encountering that would be, well, probably even earliest, earliest would be like my mom sang me lullabies. You know, my mom was came from a family that did music um, strictly what as a like. What kind of music? Uh, so lots of different things. Like she grew up in the folk revival. So she listened to a lot of like Joan Baez and Bob Dylan and Gene Ritchie and Doc Watson. And, you know, definitely knew about traditional music. Um, she did a lot of singing. Um, she like played a tiny bit of banjo and, um, she and my dad like courted at fiddlers conventions and uh you know like would go there on dates and so they they took us when we were kids so i was growing up in like southwestern virginia you know listening to a lot of string band music um but loving singing the best so when i really discovered ballads as a like young ish teen um i felt like i had found something like a medium that was very special to me. And I think one of the reasons it was special was that it was a lot more. Um, this is a weird, maybe a weird thing to say about ballads, but expressive, um, emotional, like mm. just, just because it's lyrical, because there are words and like, there are stories and there are like passionate and intense things that happen in those songs. Um, yeah. And also like laments, like the Wagoner's Lad, you know, there's like sorrow, there's, so I think all those like kind of big feelings that you're starting to feel <laughs> when you're a teen, I was like, this is the way I can express that, but also in a very um, 
safe way. Like, it's not that I wrote these words. It's not that I necessarily yeah. am feeling exactly what I'm saying because I'm not, you know, about to get married to someone I don't love. But um, yeah. or I'm not, you know, my love's not leaving me necessarily. But I can sing in this really sorrowful way. And like, those big feelings can come out through that medium. So um, the anthropological kind of aspect didn't hit for me until I moved away from the mountains for college. And suddenly I was looking back at it from a little bit of distance and finding that I really missed a lot of things about that place that I didn't know I missed. Like I missed running into people I knew in the Walmart. I missed, you know, I missed the landscape a lot more than I had really thought about. I missed the landscape like that I had taken for granted, you know, the just, you know, mountains, forest. Um, And I also missed just kind of that, the music, the the culture, um, especially string band culture, which is like the pretty alive part uh, here. Where where did you move away to? It wasn't even that urban of a place. Um, it was not it was that just far. Not the mountains, <laughs> right? It was it was eastern <laughs> Virginia, like it was flatter, <sighs> you know. <laughs> um, and it wasn't like I couldn't go back, but it was you know a long drive. Uh, yeah. So. Um, so then, yeah, after doing like more kind of reading and, and learning about the history and, and study stuff like that, then I got very sick of like writing about it and talking about it and moved back home. And um, at that point, like I had been doing archival research about ballads. So I would get excited about like, you know, the personality of what I could find out about the personality of someone in the archive. Um, But I was mostly dug into the songs themselves. And then when I moved back home and started to work with Anna, um, then like together we would go and like visit the descendants of some of these singers that, you know, actually had memories of them. And that made me feel like connected to the music in, in a whole new way and also connected to the place in a whole new way. Where did you hear, sorry, what is it called? The Wagoners? What is it? The Wagoners Lad. (laughs) The Wagoners Lad. Right. Where, Where did you hear that? For the first time. <laughs> for the first time. Was that in time. an archive? Or? No, I heard that on a Joan Baez record for the first time, which my mom gave me as a gift for my 11th birthday. One of, one of the things I like so much about some of these old songs is uh, when the sort of format of the storytelling just shifts all of a sudden. Like, it's... It's all, it's like first person, first person, first person in that one. And then all of a sudden it's this conversation and it's like this, like little, this little play and it's, it's a back and forth and it's very subtextual. It's just these two people using this pretense of getting like hoping to get a job done just so they can like linger around each other for a little bit. And it's, it's like 
invigorating like it's so exciting it's so great <laughs> uh, yeah i love that too um i th- and there's a lot of that in ballads there's like a narrator will be talking and then all of a sudden it'll just go into straight dialogue and some of them even have these really strange shifts in perspective like it'll be going in third person and then it'll switch mid-verse to like i did this or you and then but it's it doesn't actually make sense if it's a character in the ballad, so it's still the narrator talking, and you're like, "Wait, yeah. is the is the narrator a character? What are the people that this happened to?" Or <laughs> what? Um, but there's also, um, a, like a common framing device. This is a, a super common in Irish music, where like the narrator is actually kind of a bystander. Like, it starts out with a verse that's like, one day I was, one fine May morning, I was walking down by the river and I spied a young couple, you know, uh, talking about this. And this is what the lady said. And then you go into this whole dialogue and the story's about them and you never hear from the narrator again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's so bizarre. It's It, it feels like 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 sloppy writing or something. <laughs> but in the, in the context, it feels like, well, this is how... This song was edited for generations, I guess. And that's just what we all sort of, you know, tacitly agreed that that's how it should go. And it's like, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, it is strange. Um, And especially the ones that get like whittled down very much. It becomes a little bit more confusing sometimes. But I also really enjoy that, like the fragmentary sort of, you know, it's more like a modern poem. That's a very John Cohen kind of idea also that's something he talks Mm. about a lot that like uh that kind of modern like fragmented or incomplete or um just very simple very simple like minimal uh things that very old things kind of once they're weathered down with time whether that's an object or a song um kind of start to resemble that uh Mm. i i like them all um that's that's part of my geek out. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, what's next? What do you want to... I have no idea what to expect musically today. So, like, yeah. I'm just... Whatever's next. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> we I haven't have, talked um, about it at all. No, we Keep haven't. The <laughs> <laughs> um, I have... Uh, yeah, I have some, like, solo ballads. And then I have some songs that I will accompany myself on banjo for... Um, so I don't know if I'm making it very easy to to jam <laughs> about. Well, I'll do what I can. Yeah, I, I would say I mean... you're invited for anything. Uh, that okay, cool. Sounds fun to you. So maybe I'll do one with with banjo. Um... I think I first heard about you when one of my students showed me a video of you. One of my banjo students showed me a video of you. Uh, performing, what was it? It was something about Mexico. Hills of it was, Mexico? It was Hills of Mexico. That's what it was. That's what I was yeah. about to do. Oh, no way! <laughs> <laughs> Great! <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, they, they, wanted to, they wanted me to, like, trans- transcribe it for them. I mean, not on paper, but, like, oh, oh, good. <laughs> to, teach them how to, <laughs> to teach them how to do it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's when you first, like were on my radar. I was like, oh, I got a student talking about this other banjo player. I should check them out. <laughs> awesome. Oh, thanks, student. Um, yeah. Shout out to Julia. 
Thanks, Julia. Appreciate hopefully, it. Hopefully Julia is listening. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to tune now. That's the other peek behind the curtain. I said I didn't tune okay. before I started. No worries. Okay. Whew. Oh 
Where did you get that one? Um, that's pretty much the Roska Holcomb version, but not a. I mean, the banjo part's not very related to what he does, but that's uh, mostly his lyrical version. I, I love the like sort of aimless, aimless storytelling of it. Yeah. There's like a little bit of romance. There's a lot of just sort of like stupidly hard work. <laughs> and it's like right. this sort of question of what does it all mean? <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, I feel that too from that. Just like, oh, this sucks. You know, like, well, I don't have any work. Um, yeah, it really does convey that. And it, I, I don't know if that's a feature of the, the melody or just the fact that it, it's so it's just first person it's so factual just kind of like this you know well i don't have a job and and it's unembellished it's just like yeah it seems bad i guess it is descriptive in the like bleak and barren godforsaken port part but uh it has the feeling of like i get the image of like those you know the kind of more bleak western movies that are just like yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose the melody kind of makes it a little easier to swallow. <laughs> it makes it seem like a thing to present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Right. As opposed to like, you know, why are you telling me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, it's like uh, like the profession of therapy like wasn't around, so it's like, how am I gonna get out? <laughs> I'm going to get people to listen to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't know where he got it, do you? Oh, I don't. No, I've just heard other versions around, and I don't... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know anything further back than that. But there are so many cowboy songs. And I think a real... I. Mm, yeah, I'm not knowledgeable enough to put dates like not very good dates on the kind of Western cowboy obsession in America. But yeah. I guess, you know, we all can kind of imagine that it definitely sure. lasted into the fifties at least, you know? Yeah. Um, but there was a time, you know, even before TV and stuff, um, there was a, a time of like real popularity of like, cowboy kind of story songs like even before like country and western was a thing so i wanted to ask you about your musical family yeah you you are a person who spends a lot of time making music and seems to be spent and seems to spend a lot of time making music that's the same or similar or tangential from like the music of your family of origin and um, sort of the podcast within a podcast in Get Up in the Cool is the like Cameron trying to figure out how to like raise kids who don't hate music and don't like hate dad's music. <laughs> so like I've always and I didn't grow up in a musical house. So I'm always asking my guests who grew up in musical households, like how how is it that you like, you know, stayed in music or like came back to it? And um, how did how were you parented musically? <laughs> In a way that, um, you know, are you into music despite them or because of them or both? Or how does that work? Yeah. Okay. Great question. Um, of course, I, I'm also hoping to raise a kid now that does not hate music. Um, 
Well, stay tuned. <laughs> I mean, he's, 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 yeah. he's really young. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, for me, it's not an in spite of thing. I think there were times when having like my, you know, creative life be so entwined with my family of origin and like my parents, you know, was you know, kind Wait, of did hard. Did you have a family band? <laughs> uh, yes, I did. Oh, um, so family band interview. I didn't know we were doing very, a family band interview. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> very closely entwined. And still it's okay. like we still play together and sing together. Um, mm. And it's great. Uh, so it's mostly me and my mom sing together. And then her brother and his wife uh, play old time. Uh, they're in mm. a band in uh, Durham. Well, in a couple of bands, they were in the, the Hush Puppies, and they're in a mm. another band called the Red Herrings. And um, uh, they're great, and I, I I really enjoy it so much. Um, but it it was hard. Like my I did my first record at age uh, sixteen. And like yeah. going into the studio with like my mom and dad and like none of us had ever done it before. And um, it, was, it was definitely a big challenge, but we we made it, you know. Um, so some very early things of just enjoying music definitely came from my parents just listening and appreciating and like, you know, learning to dance like flat foot a, flat foot a little bit or to square dance um, and enjoying the music that way. Um, And then singing with my mom as just a way to pass the time, like on a car ride or doing the dishes. Um, It's just, it's like, I think that having that foundation of having it just be part of everyday life has informed it almost everything that I think about music or like why it's important um, now, although I didn't always think of it necessarily that way. Um, just, just music as a sort of a functional thing that, that is embedded in your daily life. Like that idea. Cause I, think, yes. I feel like a lot of people don't have that. Yes. And I, I, I really want people to have that. And I, yeah. I feel very strongly that it's more accessible than many people believe. Um, I think there's a part, I think a side effect of just kind of our culture and the way media works um, is that a lot of people believe that, you know, music or art in any of any kind is like only for people who have some kind of talent or, you know, ability sure. that they already have and you can't just do it for fun. Or, you know, if you don't sound great, there's no point in you trying or um, something like that. And I find that very sad because it's so much fun to do. It's like such a great way to <laughs> enjoy and express yourself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's all these other leisure activities that like, you know, you don't get people don't feel shamed out of participating in because they're not good at it or something. It's right. like playing video games. You know, it's like no one's like, oh, I could never be an esports, uh, you right, know, right. <laughs> or exactly. Twitch person. So I'm not even going to bother. It's like, no, you just do it because it's fun. <laughs> right. But there are people who truly are like, you know, ashamed for people to hear their voice or... Yeah. 
and not their speaking voice, just their singing voice. Just to be heard, like, singing words is, like, very embarrassing. Like, oh, I could never do karaoke, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously, if it's not what you enjoy, whatever. But, uh, sure. I, yeah, I, I feel very strongly that if you might possibly like it, then do it you should try it and so that's that's also a big part of why i like um folk slash old time slash traditional blah blah blah, whatever is that there are so many points of access for so many types of ability or types of interest yeah um i really like that and uh what else family musical family I definitely don't like all the kinds of music that the rest of my family does, and they definitely don't like all the kinds of music that I do. But you know, the where the Venn diagram overlaps is kind of where we uh, play. Was there some sort of like moment of musical differentiation? I don't think there was one moment. It, I mean, no, it's just like I don't know. I would like. When I was growing up, I was like, I love this ballad, but I'm also very curious about this metal band, you know, and anything for my dad. Also, like anything that happened after like the wall of sound was invented is like, no good. (laughs) 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 So uh, that's it cuts out a lot of things that I think are really great. (laughs) Sure. Uh, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you want to? What do you want to do next? Um, I would musically. like. I w- I think I would like to do. Um, do 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 do. I guess I'll do another banjo one. Okay, uh, I'm gonna do the house carpenter. Great. Well, she 
intense <laughs> what an intense story yeah why yeah. why do you why do you sing that song is it like a morality tale like how do you th- how is it supposed to be like portrayed <laughs> that, that's, or listened to that's that's the question that's like kind of the million dollar question about ballads it's like a rorschach test yeah i do uh Because I think when I ask, like, classes of, like, kids, why do people sing this song, do you think? You know, and and I ask it because we don't fully know, right? Because they're they're old, you know? We don't really. And and in my opinion, like, we can't really know. There have been so many people that touched the song, like, on its way, you know? Like that passed, it passed through their hands yeah. um, and on to the next. We can't totally know the reasons why all of those people, and maybe they didn't even know themselves, like why they learned it and passed it on. But um, anyway, when I ask classes of kids, sorry, I got derailed, but like they, some of them say maybe to tell people that bad things would happen to you if you you know, strayed from your marriage or, or left your baby, yeah. you know, 
um, and went off with someone else. Another, I do think there are clues also hidden in kind of some of the other versions of the song. Um, So it is sort of moralistic, but I don't think that doesn't track for me as a motivation for singing the song. I don't sing the song to like warn people not to run out, you know, out of their marriages. It didn't seem like your style. Yeah. I don't, you know, like I sing it because there's a power to that story. There's like power in the, in the language. Like I can see what's happening very clearly. Um, And other ballad singers talk about that as well. So Texas Gladden has this amazing quote where she says, um, you know, I can see the whole story in my mind and it's a very beautiful story. And she's, she's talking about like the ballad she's talking about is one where like this serving maid is impregnated by the king. And because that, you know, like that baby is going to cause a lot of trouble for everyone, especially her, she puts it, she in a little boat and casts it out to sea and then yeah. she's arrested, taken to the city, and hanged. And um, she's beautiful. like, it, it's beautiful a beautiful, story. it's a very beautiful story. <laughs> um, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I think that, and there's so many stories where, like, something really horrible happens to a woman or... Um, yeah they're you know people are put in an impossible position or you know something just really dreadful happens you know um people kill each other uh or their hearts are broken or you know they die for love or um all these you know a whole ship and everyone on it gets sunk you know or or, and then you know just all kinds of dreadful things um but i wouldn't say that like I mean, it's like, why do we have crime shows or yeah. soap operas or, sure. you know, does the movie Titanic exist, you know, to tell people like not to go on a really big boat? Like, <laughs> don't go on a big boat <laughs> or, or even to be it. like, you know, don't don't cheat on your um, mean fiance, even if you really want to or else a boat will sink with you on it. You know, the, no, it's just like it's a. It's kind of a beautiful story. Um, yeah. So I think that urge, like, of course, is universal, right? Like storytelling. Yes. But um, yeah. But also part of the attraction for me is imagining what the people that sang this a long time ago were thinking about or why they kept these certain stories alive or why they passed on certain parts of it um, and the ways that that reflects you know, either the culture that they were living in or the way that they approached the world as as individuals, yeah. too. Um, and, uh, yeah, also, like, there's, like, a spell, like, transportation thing that happens for me, you know, with the the music and the fact that it's repetitive. And then these words are coming and they're just showing you all these images. So it's like watching a film. Um, and that's really... I get swept up up in it uh, every time. So that's a great that's a great point though. Like trying to use empathy in your imagination to like 
by asking the question, why do did people pass the song on? Like, what were they thinking? What was valuable to them? I, I think probably like the first like real experience I had with this kind of thing was being raised on the Bible and being told all of these morals about what these different Bible stories <laughs> meant. And then like later on being like, wait a second, this Cain and Abel story seems like it's about the agricultural revolution and the, <laughs> you know, and the threat it posed to hunter-gatherer societies. That seems like it's more, maybe more about that than be nice to your brother, mom. <laughs> right. And, you know, you know, things like that. So, like, when I hear, like, this song, I'm like, okay, maybe this is a song that, like, poor people passed on because they're like, watch out for these rich people. They think they can do, like, anything because they have money. Uh huh. Uh-huh, and they'll uh-huh. get it in the end, or maybe it's like moralistic in that way. I don't know. But. Sure. Or I think. I mean, I do think, and all this is projecting right from my perspective now as like sure. a modern person post Freud and blah blah blah. But I think a lot of songs are written to you know complain about what hurts, um, or sung for that reason, even if they weren't written, you know, by sure. you. Uh, so if you can find something that like. You're like, Ooh, ding, yeah, I I feel that, I get that. So I also, to go back to what I said about like other versions of this song, there are versions where um, the, so in it, you know, an, an old love comes back and it's like, won't yeah. you, you know, abandon the husband that you have now and come away with me and I've got all these ships. Um, he's a, a demon or like a elf, bad tricky fairy character okay. guy so in some versions like they're on the ship and she's like oh, i miss you know my whole other life and my baby and everything she looks down and she sees that he has a cloven hoof then he stomps the cloven hoof and sinks the ship and they go straight down to hell in like a whirlpool um i'm always telling people this and i'm like why don't i sing that version because that's really awesome uh, but I just yeah, that has a whole like other level of eroticism in my personal opinion. <laughs> but the, well, it's its name in the like child ballad collection is the Demon Lover. The Demon Lover, wow, with such a rich vein there, yeah. you know, of like the Demon Lover, the Demon Lover. You know, it's like so yeah. many images come to your mind when you just say <laughs> those words. <laughs> um, yeah, it. it it's what you're talking about, like like stuff like resonating with you. It's like okay, there's a moral. Obviously, there are moral things that could be read into it, but also it's like kind of titillating, you know. Uh, it <laughs> just is. like oh yeah, I want someone to go, like come like steal me away from my like mundane life and like and then I'll go die in the sea. Sure, like I have you know that kind of fantasy is relatable and understandable. <laughs> totally right. Or else why would we have you know Twilight even right? Um, right. So, um, so I think there's that, but I also see, you know, I see, I see gender commentary in, in, in these as well. And part of that is just the way I, you know, that's how I look at it. But, um, you know, the man, right. Becomes like he, he wasn't a demon lover, in my opinion, like when he comes and shows up and is like, well, Hey, what's, what happened? I, you know. Uh, yeah. let's pick up where we left off baby but um, when he does take her like persuade her away from those other values that she had right of like yeah. caring for other people or or honoring the vow that she made maybe or you know right. or he tempts her with the riches and stuff 
and he's angered by the fact that she has regrets, right? I think that's yeah. when he like that's when he becomes a demon, right? He's not just like Interesting. a a guy, you know, with choices. He's like a guy that did something wrong. Um, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're spoiling my fantasy. <laughs> like I had this whole thing planned and you're just subverting it with your feelings. <laughs> you're right. That is extremely gendered. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also just the fact that I, even maybe that he uh, has that like tempting, like, oh, here's all these resources, you know, Um so if she's making decisions about like what's my life gonna look like, you know, right? Um, probably in the time that it's written, like how does she think about resources? Like, and why is one of the questions that she asks him like, well, what do you have to maintain me on if I leave yeah. here? You know, if to keep yeah. me from slavery, she she really says that, right? I think when you start to like pick it apart, there's a lot. You can find like every, uh, so much about just the structure of the way society was built, and I, I find that very interesting. Yeah, because, like it ties back into your first song about like you know women are just subjugated sort of at every level, and they're just sort of sold from master to master, you know. And like maybe she's just thinking like, all right, like there's not really any sort of upward mobility for me. At least I cannot like work myself to an early grave <laughs> or something. <laughs> sure, yeah. Or Which is like also very understandable. <laughs> like if you think about it that way. It's like, sure. Right. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but but I also love that it leaves you to imagine um what the relationship between her and the house carpenter is. Yeah. You there's no info. You don't know. Like is there real love and affection or do they like each other at all? Like, why did they get married? Is the baby his? You know, there's. Right. I was just teaching this song actually, and it was a different version, and it included this kind of floater verse that was like, um, she says, you know, come in and sit down, and uh, he says, uh, no, she says, come in and sit down. It's been three quarters of a long year or more since we've been together. Which, of course, three quarters yeah. of, a, of a year is nine months, you know, just enough time yeah. for their baby yeah. to be born. Um, so uh, I love that there's so much that's unsaid um, and so much that's left open to the imagination about the what the details of the relationships are like. Aren't there like some of these ballads that will have like a final verse or sit or something and they'll just say like the moral of the story is don't leave your husband <laughs> or things like that? Not a lot. Or are they just sort of like, yeah, open ended, feel what you want to feel about them? Most of them are open ended. I will say the sort of ca caveat to them being open ended is there are some songs I would guess like mostly written after 1900 that have maybe a verse at the end that's like, and that was very wrong. And, you know, <laughs> all you men take a warning and don't touch the drink, you know, or whatever. Um, right. 
but you West Virginia girls don't go courting. <laughs> What's the lyric? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, don't court no West Virginia boys. But that's like a joke. Song. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. That's like you know, if you court West Virginia boys, you'll have to eat venison and cornbread and. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Like oh, dread. Um, but that is poor people food, I guess. That's why they're saying that. You know, or it was. Right. It was poor people food. Now it's different. But um, that's like bougie. <laughs> Yeah. And then the other thing is that even if there's not something that says, like, the moral of the story is this, like the house carpenter, sometimes it'll end with a character going to hell or saying that their soul is bound for hell because of what they did or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. My mind Mm. is all my brain is all. (laughs) <laughs> this is such a I I've I've spent the whole day sort of like facilitating um like online school for my uh 5-year-old. Oh. So like this is so great. <laughs> Just to, like <laughs> I'm having a great time talking to you right now. <laughs> like this is so much better than what I'll be doing every day until oh the God. vaccine happens and probably longer. So <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Yeah. My, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And and my heart goes out to you and all uh, parents and teachers in this time. Um, and yes. everybody. I don't know. This sucks for everyone, really. Yeah, So absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm not complaining. The teachers are doing a great job, all things considered. At least mine is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What do you want to do next? Well, um, on my hastily scribbled notes, uh, I only have acapella songs left, although I could okay. definitely play, you know, a tune or something, and maybe that would be fun later. But um, maybe do whatever I'll do... you want to do all the time. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I'll do. Uh... Yeah, I've been doing this one lately. It's um, it's from the singing of. Uh, Brazilla Wallen, who was a, a teacher of one of my teachers, Sheila K. Adams from Western North Carolina, the incredible singer and storyteller and seventh generation balladeer. Balladeer. It's ballad singer. I don't know. It In her family, it goes pretty deep. It's called Love Has Brought Me to Despair. It's right, right. on theme, in other words. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> My father, he was a rich old jay. My mother, she was a lady fair. And me a being the only heir. So love has brought me It's when I wore my long silk gown He followed me from town to town But now my apron just will tie He passes my door and he won't stop in. There is a street in yonder's town 
where my true love walks up and down. He takes another girl on his knee, and he tells to her what he won't tell me. He takes another girl on his knee. Oh, ain't it awful grief to me? There is a flower, I heard them say, that'll cure false love both night and day. And of these flowers I did pull Until I got my apron full I gathered black, I gathered blue But none of these flowers could I find to cure false love or ease my mind. It's out of the leaves I made a bed, and out of the flowers a pillow for my head. It's down she lay and airward spoke. Until her aching heart was broke And in the green meadows round I thought I heard a doleful sound <laughs> It's so, it's, that's so great. That's so like, yeah, he's got this other girl on her knee and he's like telling her things. Isn't that I don't awesome? know what they are. And I don't oh. know what they are. <laughs> right? <It's> so mad. <laughs> right? So upset. <laughs> I love that verse. Oh, <sighs> it's so clever. He tells, tells to her what he won't tell me. Oh, it's so good. That's like a very insightful lyric. That's a, a good thing to add. Because that's a everyone knows that feeling. Yeah, and it's it's being, not like, even like out. it's not even you know oh I see them kissing or you know yeah it's like oh that you can see like the kind of intimate talking like the Ugh. the whisper you know ah oh burn you up right <laughs> oh my yeah, goodness so relatable and then. And if I if I was listening correctly, there is a switch to narrator at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, is it because she she has died on her like thing of like flowers and petals, maybe? Right, maybe. Or is she? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of possibilities of because she's she's trying to, you know, gather this flower, maybe to abort her baby. To or to, okay. to to induce miscarriage. Um, I always forget that that's the subtext. Like, it's <laughs> like it's like well, yeah. Then then there's a fetus, <laughs> like all like always basically. Yeah, Shoot. and also there's a verse about how her apron will will only just tie. Gotcha. Um, 
so it's a little more overt, you know, with that. Um, but there, yeah, it is often a subtext, right? They, like you're going out to find a flower that'll cure false love or, you know. Cure false. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. But, it, you know, then the verse is like, it's not, she couldn't find the right flower. So is she lying down, you know, just to lament or make her sad, you know, cry or right. is she... Or is she giving birth? Uh, is she maybe even giving birth, or is she like down to like die of a broken heart, or both, or uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, which is all kind of intense to say out loud, which is, I guess, why they have subtext and, and poetry uh, for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thoroughly depressed. <laughs> and on that note, where do we go to like, uh, Find, like keep up with you and buy <laughs> stuff that you've already done, et cetera, et cetera. What do you, business time. Yes, yeah, it's business time. Um, thank you so much for asking. There's there's a number of things. Um, I will just try to start at the top. So um, with like the most accessible free thing, which is that my husband, Brian, and I do um, a short live stream every Tuesday night uh, at 8.30-ish. Eastern time. Um, and we do like a few songs and maybe a story. That's, that's our usual MO. There's like usually a traditional song and an original song of Brian's and then maybe something we do together um, every Tuesday. And then uh, there's, uh, I, I, w- I had a part in a film um, called The Mountain Great. Miner. And oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's about a family that is moving, uh, that moves from Kentucky to Ohio, um, in the, in the depression, a very common story, uh, that actually happened to a lot of families. And in fact, the, the author, that was his family story. So, um, Hmm. the whole thing about this movie is that instead of getting like, you know, professional actors, uh, to try to learn the music, uh, he pulled, um, people who are in the music to play the roles in the film. So it's about a, a musical yeah. family and it, it was really, really, really fun to, to be a part of it. And the soundtrack of that is coming out. So if you look up the mountain minor, awesome. so that's minor with an O like a minor key, minor chord. Yes. The mountain minor. Um, that's coming. And I, I have some songs on that. And what else? Uh, where where is that weekly stream to go back oh, to that? Oh, yeah. You may have sorry, said, I but. didn't say. Uh, thank you. It's on Facebook. So if you look up Elizabeth Laprell on Facebook, it's just on my you know your page. Every your page. Time. Um, my oh, actually my wall, like my personal page. Okay, great, great. Yeah, and then uh, it's also on my husband's, uh, and he is Brian Dolphin, like the aquatic animal, and. Um, we are also working on a lullaby album. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, so it's a very, um, you know, art imitates life. Yeah, but, but you're not practicing even, your soft musics. Yeah, exactly, the, but not even lately. imitating. It's just like that's been a big part of our lives. And so uh, yeah. we've also written some lullabies, so there's traditional ones, um, but also ones that we have, you know, come up with and are field-tested. Um, and that's coming out soon, but I'll, you know, post about it. Uh, Facebook is a good place to find me. Instagram also at Elizabeth Laprell and on Patreon. I've got one of those. It's also <laughs> patreon.com slash Elizabeth Laprell. 
So that's, I think that hits most of the things. Fantastic. Thanks so much for taking this time to talk to me and play music well, and sing really thanks. sad songs. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, maybe I will do uh, a lullaby to make it less Perfect. Uh, all of a downer. Um, okay, great. Cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. It's been a real treat to just talk and sing for a little bit. Um, it's going to take me a second to decide which one to do. What do you think, an original or a traditional lullaby? Oh, great. I, I would love to hear an original because I don't think it, I think we've established that nothing so far has been original. That's true. Yes. At, at least in the strict sense. Yeah. Okay. You have a very original presentation of the traditional material. <laughs> oh. <It's, laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So uh, this one is real simple. It's called Lolo. Low, 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 You can follow Elizabeth LaPrell's personal Facebook page for her weekly live stream with Brian Dolphin, Tuesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Check out the Mountain Miner film that's available online. Support Elizabeth's Patreon for traditional music, ballads, and visual art. And follow her on Instagram at Elizabeth LaPrell. All of that is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. Support Get Up in the Cool at patreon.com slash getupinthecool and get rewards like full video episodes, access to the weekly bonus track podcast, the entire Get Up in the Cool tune and song archive, and monthly online banjo workshops. Order a t-shirt, bag, sticker, or mask, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Make sure to like and follow Get Up in the Cool on Facebook so you can see the video I posted from this episode and share it with the world. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. <laughs>